Hi everyone, welcome to a, another episode of Divided Films. My name is JJ and with me as always is Keith. Hello! Uh, you know, Keith, we've been jumping around a few different decades. I think more often than we have in previous seasons, we've like done a lot of 80s, and now we're doing a few movies in the 90s. Uh, what what would you say is your favorite decade of movies? Oh, I mean, is that in general or? God. Yeah, just like throwing that out there. Because I, I, you, you've like had your journey going through all the different eras of film. So I'm curious as we're like kind of time traveling here through film. Which yeah, which would you want to go? Where would you want to go next, basically? Who? You know, I you know the '90s are a pretty fascinating time because that's like that's like right before superhero movies were the blockbusters, and I mean our our movie today kind of plays into that. Like it's before superheroes, so directors were getting very like. They were still taking risks. I mean, they took more risk in the '80s, but I think they were still taking risks with uh, technology. I like Jurassic Park, Titanic. Uh, I don't know. You you we had a lot of like amazing movies come out in the '90s, but I think each of the decades, even still going, I don't believe filmmaking is dead or losing to streaming or whatnot. I think it's like they're all unique just like each generation has its own theme in it too but the 90s like and i guess i'm saying it because i'm a 90s kid but it's there's some that that's always been a favorite of mine after especially going through the decades these past few months of just watching movies yeah you know the 90s i feel like is when movies start to feel very produced and you started to see i want to say uh a cleaner look I think it's like a very much a turning point in the industry, the 90s. And so, yeah, appropriately enough, the movie we're talking about today is Con Air. So this movie falls into the category of having a negative score with critics and a positive score with audiences. So Iran Tomatoes, only 55% of critics approved, but 75% of audiences approved. And the critics' consensus, Con Air won't win any awards for believability, and all seemed cheerfully aware of it, making some of this blockbuster action outing's biggest flaws fairly easy to forgive. Yeah, I guess, you know, easy to forgive flaws in this movie is where, I guess, critics and audiences are both coming from, although it seems audiences are way more willing to forgive than the critics, as that's usually the case. But yeah, I mean, I I actually had never seen this movie before this viewing. Yeah, yeah, I just I never got around to it, and I finally watched it, and it is kind of what I expected it to be. This really ludicrous story, very little believability, huge spectacle. Yeah, you know, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer movie. I felt like I was watching what really is the predecessor to say Armageddon. It had the same cadence, the same sort of camera work, the same. The same feel, you know, you could tell they're cut from the same cloth. And so it was it was fun. I did think it would be a little crazier, but at the same time, I don't know if I would prefer it to say like an Armageddon. It's I found myself being a little frustrated at times with how dumb it's almost like it's writing a fine line with fun, dumb and annoying, dumb. Oh, wow. This is interesting. 
But I think Not you it. are just having pure fun, it seems, based on your reaction. Yeah, no, I'm it like I I I mentioned this in an earlier episode. Uh, I think it was our stepbrothers episode where uh I lived in a house with friends and one of uh a friend got us free stars for the summer. So and stars really just played really just three movies throughout the summer, stepbrothers, uh something else and uh Oh, across the universe and uh, Con Air. And Con Air was always like a favorite. Everyone would always stop what they were doing and watch Con Air. And I've seen it before college too, but I. This movie is not perfect. Far oh, from think? it. But you think? No, it, it, I, I would say if you're going to make a movie called Con Air about transporting convicts on a. I don't know. This movie's fun. This movie is fun. And it's. It, it, because it's a Brockheimer, it is strap yourself to a roller coaster type fun. Yeah, I get that. I mean, there's that it, it's so unrelentingly energetic, and it's like it, it doesn't waste any moment with its action sequences. It's it's always like there's something, there's so much going on at once. It's almost overwhelming at times. I mean, for me, the really key scene is that ambush scene when you know they're at that abandoned airport and the national guard is coming in and the bad guys have their plan to to ambush the national guard and then you know nick cage is getting in there and there's just explosions left and right and there's one actually like really funny sequence i thought of nick cage running through the battle scene explosions here explosions there there's really cheesy guitar being played because he's running to save his friend he's running to get the insulin to his friend who is going into a diabetic shock. So I found that to be so funny. Bubba. How, what? And um, yeah, I, I, I recognize that. I'm like, oh, I hope he survives this movie. But it was so funny to me. Like, oh, wow. Like, this guy is a true American hero. He is risking his life to save his friend. And also, you know, he's standing up for the female guard, trying to save her. Like, he is an upstanding convict. Too. Because even the way they set up this character, Cameron Poe, Right. I mean, he goes to jail. Cameron Poe doesn't really roll off the tongue that well. But Cameron Poe, he goes to prison for like the dumbest reason. He goes to prison for killing a guy accidentally who is attacking him. But how does he even kill this guy? It seems like he just punches him in the mouth and the guy's dead. And it's like, wait, how did that happen? As the judge says, you are a weapon of mass. Like you are a. Oh, living weapon. A, I, I, I was laughing. I like I'm coming at it from a new perspective of like a judge saying like you can't fight anybody because you're a living weapon and what you did was irresponsible for even that judge, using your fists. He had a bad lawyer. Would, <laughs> he had a bad lawyer, but I'm thinking also the way that judge is basing his sentencing, he would be thrown off the bench and lose his his law license immediately he is basically holding it against this guy for being a veteran that is going into the sentencing is that you're a veteran and i'm holding that against you that is like the most un-american thing ever whereas i think the movie is trying to hone in this is a guy he's a good guy he has to be a convict to get him into the scenario for the story to work but in all other respects he is an upstanding american hero who just was in the wrong place at the right time it seems 
you know what? Throughout this entire, you mentioned it before, and I was and as I was watching it this time, I was kind of battling in my head about it. Like you said, this movie toes a fine line between dumb fun and annoying fun, and or no, it's um dumb in a fun way and dumb in an annoying way. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I never want to give a movie because I watched it a bunch of times and it holds like fun value to me. I, it's kind of like how I, I think there's a, I wanted to uh, critique this movie fairly. And I been, I was asking myself several times during the movie, uh, is this movie in on the joke or is this movie aware of what it is? Because it could go one way, either way it's fun, but I've graded movies, uh, on a scale of like, I gave Armageddon. I th- I I remember I split that score into two because as a movie, it's not that. I think because it takes itself seriously, that's what makes it fun. But you're kind of laughing at it and having fun with it. But on the other end, I gave Roadhouse a good score because everyone seems to be aware of the kind of movie that they're making, and there are times. Like, like there are times I was literally going back and forth, uh, whether or not this movie was trying to be something, trying to be an Armageddon, like an epic action movie, or just like a movie that's aware that it's transporting convicts convicts and saying like, like, I don't know who that, that judge is like, you're like you're a weapon to yourself and others you can't do that i'm like that is a silly thing to say everyone must be aware but then the movie has the song in the same vein that steven tyler had uh i don't want to miss a thing i didn't know that this song came from this movie how can i live without you it's a good song i've danced to i've slow danced to it it, and like i've heard it at weddings That's crazy that that's from this movie. I mean, at least with Don't Want to Miss a Thing, I don't even like that song. So whatever, it's from Armageddon, fine. But, you know, like the song from this movie, uh, which one is it again? Uh, How can I live without you? Like, yeah, that's like Oscar-nominated was... song. <laughs> I that's, that's wild to me that that's from this movie. We would not have that song without Con Air. But then he like you have Dave Chappelle in it, who is basically improvising every line, and you can tell, and everyone's having fun. I can totally but tell. The production was like you know it was probably a fun but troubled production based on like they're just like re- rewriting the script as it goes. Uh, like oh it, yeah, it's kind of I a miracle that, that it was too. successful. It could have really, I don't know. Like I'm just. There are yeah, there are times where I'm like, this movie is taking itself a little seriously, and then I'm like, okay, they they know. And a lot of critics, I think I was surprised it was uh, as high as fifty five. I think I would think it would be lower. I would have thought this was going to get like a thirty or something. So that's my quest this episode is to de- determine because that will determine my score. Like either way, this is a fun yeah, movie. I will always recommend this movie, but whether or not it's a good movie remains to be seen-ish. Right, because, I mean, even 55% with the critics, that means that more than half of the critics approve of it, and I did not expect that. 
I also had no idea Dave Chappelle was in this movie, having not a seen very it, young Dave knowing, Chappelle. <laughs> I only knew certain clips and certain moments of this movie, like you know, put the bunny in the box and that whole sequence. All right, I'm doing it. Just take it easy. And if you say a word about this over the radio, the next wings you see will belong to the flies buzzing over your rotting corpse. Uh, Carson City. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I have the only gun on board. Welcome to Con Air. I had no idea Dave Chappelle was in this. And you're right, he was riffing. I think it's very clear. And in terms of the rewrites, I think that's also clear in the dialogue. Because these characters, like... John Malkovich's character is not really fleshed out. I don't really get his character. He's supposed to be, you know, Cyrus the Virus, this super genius villain. But I don't know. It just seemed like John Malkovich is mildly annoyed the whole movie. And maybe that's just him being annoyed that he doesn't know what to do with himself. Oh, yeah. You can totally see that. Like, he's not only annoyed, but, like, I think he's – I think at times he is – uh, at times he's annoyed, and at other times he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm just, I'm gonna ham this up. I am going to, like, I am yelling for no reason. Like some lines, he like he's having fun as much fun as he can. Yeah, it's uh, it's inconsistent though. At times he seems like he's this over the top, crazy villain, but other times he's like, it, it's clear he doesn't really want to be there. So I was a little disappointed. I thought he'd be a little more of a memorable over-the-top villain, and I, according to your notes... He is memorable to a lot of people. <laughs> I like John Malkovich, and when he's really, you know, out of 10 in this movie, those are, like, more of the moments I thought we were going to get. And then, uh, you know, the other options for that casting, Willem Dafoe, I mean, I would have loved to see Willem Dafoe in, in this movie. I think he would have had that high energy the whole time. I mean, based on him being a villain earlier in the 90s in... Uh, Speed 2 Cruise Control, or maybe that was the same year. That actually might have been the same year as this. And he is very memorable in that movie as a crazy wide-eyed villain. So I was kind of hoping the same thing from John Malkovich. Uh, But Nick Cage, I mean, his performance in this movie is wacky. His accent, I just can't make heads or tails of. And I I don't know, his haircut, he's so weird in this movie. I love it. I love no. I I like. I have. I'm. I've always been on the Nick Cage train. Like I've. I've had discussions with friends for like the past years, like twenty years, always defending. Like he's a good actor, and then it's like, well, why is he in bad movies? I'm like, if you were in a lot of debt, you would be in just about anything. And then the more I read into it, like the more I've seen some of these movies, the more I'm like, he doesn't go, uh, he doesn't give a half-ass performance. He kind of, he's, I can't remember. There was one actor who said he ha- he has come up with a new style of acting since Brando. I, like, and he kind of has. He is a living meme. Well, for better or for worse, he, he for, is committed. If, he is definitely committed to his choices that he makes in this or any other movie he's in. 
So I respect that. Like the I accent just, was definitely his choice. Yeah, and you know the guys, the character is from Alabama, but I mean I don't know that many people from Alabama, but I, that that did not even sound like it was. It was like a shaky Southern accent at best, which I found funny, but unintentionally so. So that's kind of maybe you know if we're gonna do maybe like markers for intentionally funny unintentionally funny there's so far like we have more on the unintentionally side yeah well yeah that i would say like it with this one it's just it, it stands out more like of yeah it stands out more on the ridiculous side maybe not as ridiculous as like vampires kiss but it i i i'm guessing when this script was first written I think the fact that, uh, and we could go down the list of like, this could this movie could have been completely different with every just about every actor who was popular in the '90s, like like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, uh, William Hurt, R.I.P. Stallone, like every actor was was considered for the top three roles: Cusack, Malkovich, and Nicolas Cage, and it just oh, happened yeah. to land on those three. And Nick Cage was kind of coming off of The Rock. So he can do action, which is also uh, a Bruckheimer, isn't it? I do believe so, and that one I, is a good movie. It takes its, it is a serious film with its comedic moments, and it, uh, but it's a fun action movie that it's it's you believe the uh, the plot. It's not that ridiculous. It's like Con Air, right? Right. I think I need to check that one out because I've always heard that The Rock is the best movie to come out of the Bruckheimer production company and from director Michael Bay. So I need to check that one out for sure. And you're right with the casting. It's kind of like you do the slot machine of nineties actors. And these are the three that they land on. Cause for the John Cusack role, this U uh, S Marshall guy, young hotshot that everything's going wrong. Yeah. He wears the big suit. I remember you wrote in your notes that uh, Robert Downey Jr. was considered for this role. Uh, who else did we get as a possible Charlie person? Sheen, Matthew yeah. Broderick, John Turturro, Michael J. Fox, Eddie Murphy, and Jim Carrey. Oh, wow. I, I don't know if I could see Jim Carrey or even Eddie Murphy, but I could definitely see either Robert Downey Jr. or Matthew Broderick. I feel like they've played similar roles of guys who are trying to contain the chaos, and they're like young, upstarting guys. So... I can see those two also being in this. And John Cusack, you know, I thought his struggles in this movie were funny because he's basically battling with the jerk of the movie. You can't have yes an all-American action movie without a jerk that gets in the way because of his ego. So that's where you get that one character um, who has the, the, the license plan on his car, ass kicker with two Zs that character uh duncan malloy the dea guy and i've seen this guy in a few other movies he's always an asshole i guess he just has the face <laughs> for it i don't i don't know he what that was, says uh, get him to the greek he was uh, yes. i'm sure a lot of star trek fans like he well, i think he was a captain or like he was in one of the star trek shows right right that yeah, i know of. he's got this kind of hard dislikable face that i don't know works in his favor i guess career-wise if he likes playing those kinds of parts but you know, like he he has there are all these shots of him looking cocky and annoying and and brushing off John Cusack. I kind of like that because it is such. It reminds me of other 
movies in that realm that I do enjoy. I think that goes all the way back to maybe like Die Hard with the journalist character, these sort of arrogant characters that make things so much harder for our heroes without realizing. And you're just the whole movie. You're like, ah, what an idiot. And then he gets his comeuppance, of course, with his car. I, I, and and with this is where I err on the side of like they're in on it. It's like he's like you know sorry about the car, and you know he's like ah I was getting sick of it anyway. And I'm like yeah, that, that well, I'm like what a reaction. Like it, you know, there's a lot of reactions in this movie, uh, and maybe this is just Brockheimer in general. But like when Dave Chappelle's body's falling from the sky, you get like. 30 seconds with an an older couple and the a pigeon craps on his car and you're like oh, I know what's coming here. And yeah, you're supposed yeah. to laugh even though it's a tragic car accident. Like <laughs> I know someone might have died in that. That was real. And then also, I feel like Dave Chappelle's body would have to be liquefied if you're throwing it from like I don't know, 500 600 feet in the air. <laughs> like it's totally intact as it lands on this car. I thought that was funny. Also, I found the dead body prop of his body to be a little freaky because i don't know it just it looked it really looked like he was dead i don't know that that kind of was a little too effective but that was that was kind of a crazy sequence um i mean also i thought they were gonna shoot down that other plane right because the bad guys because they're so smart they're always thinking two steps ahead of law enforcement because in these movies it's like all the dumbest people in the world work in law enforcement yeah. and the smartest people in the world are all evil. That's it, it's so easy for them to outsmart the authorities. And so in this, they, they take the tracker off of the, off of the plane. They put it on some tiny little tour guide plane. And so I thought that they were going to shoot down that tour guide plane with all those innocent people. I thought that's, I, I, I wasn't sure if that was the direction they were going to go in. It was, a, it was club Like <laughs> Cyrus thought of everything. I knew and once again, this adds to the ridiculousness or I, I, th- I see it as like it knows what the kind of movie it is. It's like when the cops are searching his cell and they're like, oh, we found the plant. Uh, and it's like, don't open that. And then it turns out to be a bomb. Also, I miss oh, yeah. 90s. Like this movie really didn't have like what, what was the budget for this movie? $75 million, which it's, it is a lot of money. But this movie looks like it went like so. There, the graphics on this movie. I miss that those those kind of graphics in '90s films, <laughs> like where it's just know, like John like Cusack very, jumping around in a green screen. The flames, right? The flame oh, effect yes. of an explosion, especially in that prison cell scene, is you know very unconvincing. But yeah, you, know, you kind of just roll with the punches. I mean, there are actual explosions later on in the movie that you can get your your thrills from that are practical effects but yeah yeah i mean i'm if anything at least this movie was more reserved with its use of computer graphics as, as opposed to say armageddon which we might c- compare it to a few more times that you have you know all that cgi and green screen for half of the movie basically here are the rules first i ask a question then you ask a question okay what's your question in carson city your bulls were on to us how One of the guards. One of the guards. One of the guards faked a heart attack and we had to remove his restraints. All right? I see. And what's your question? Where are you going with my plane, Cyrus? We're going to Disneyland. But yeah, I mean, it was, again, that's the frustrating part for me 
is just how easy it is for these bad guys to execute their plan. I mean, when they take over the plane, it seems like it was so simple. Like these, like these uh, guards were totally unprepared for this assignment. You know, it's like they know they have some of the most dangerous criminals in the country on this plane. And yet the second that there's any sort of ruckus or or fighting going on, they are totally they don't know what to do. They're totally caught off guard. And why don't they have guns? Because you would think that worst case scenario, you got to like bring these guys down. It, it was like all of a sudden they go from, you know, everything's fine. And then with like the flip of a switch, bad guys take over and the whole sequence happened so fast, I wasn't even sure how that even happened. Well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it all started with like Dave Chappelle, you know, swallowed a, a thing of gas or something, sprayed it on his the guy next to him and just lit him on fire. It, it, oh, yeah, because the guy, the one guard did not check his mouth because, oh, you got bad breath. Move along. <laughs> it's like, come on. Like, obviously, they're you're playing into his hand. Yeah, the one thing I... The one thing that I like, I can't defend in this movie, and I don't think uh, is like the racial humor just is awful. Like I, I, it just like yeah, like, it it doesn't hold up, and I don't think it did in the nineties. Like, but it and and you know, Dave Chappelle well, makes some I mean, of those jokes. I don't know. It just it, it 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 didn't need to be in this movie, even though like it's, it's not just prison, the humor; it's but, part like, of the. Yeah, it's, it's part of the plot because yeah. Ving Rhames' character is like part of some black separatist movement. Oh, they they dump that. They dump that though as soon as he. They have he's a whole, so buddy buddy with John Malkovich, like. Oh, I I know, but like he has a conversation Ving Rhames with Nicolas Cage, who's questioning him, "Why would you work with Cyrus if this is what you believe in?" Da da da. And honestly, I found it to be uncomfortable because this movie clearly does not have the the depth to tackle such a subject, yeah. but they do bring it up several times. They do bring up race, uh, whether it's in the plot or they're making jokes or what have you. And I'm just thinking like, this is not the kind of movie to bring that up. It's a ridiculous yeah. action movie. And if you want people to have light fun, you know, you just go, I imagine this is like a summer blockbuster. You just want people in the seats enjoying the action. Why Bring up this very touchy subject. I I see it as um. I, I think I can't find a term for it now, but I, I or another term for it now, but I see it as like just frat humor, and I'm not defending it. I just see it as like I was I was asking myself, uh, like I'm curious the demographics of who likes this movie. I'm very curious. I'm, I would like to meet the girl that likes this movie. Even though a girl can say this is fun, I don't see them like, oh, Con Air is on. I'll watch this. I'm not saying it's not possible. I just see this as like made by guys for guys. Exactly. Definitely is a guys movie. But also, I don't know, like if you keep it light enough, again, avoiding super touchy subject matter, you know, families like to go see action movies. Families like to, you know, like rent it from the video store. Families like to have it for their home collection, like a lot of action movies. So I don't know. This seems like it's supposed to have a broad appeal. But yes, definitely more something that guys will go to. I, I almost can imagine this being something like, you know, in um in a Friends episode where the guys want to see Con Air 
and the girls want to see like something's got to give or something like yeah <laughs> something like you know like a rom-com this is like the total opposite kinds of movies so i totally get that like i see is like strapping in strapping in and just like putting your hands up there yeah. there are applause moments there you have also like you know like you have those american flags waving in the background a bunch of different scenes you know it's very raw raw and you know you're supposed to feel almost invigorated by by the action and i get it in some sequences but um i don't know it was not at that level for as much as i thought it would be so i don't know it's it was fun to make fun of at times but i feel like it didn't live up to the reputation that at least i had perceived that it had uh, for all these years that's interesting that's and I, and I guess it's like because you're coming to this movie for the first time it holds uh like how you're how you're looking at it and i for me it's just like yeah i i know the kind of movie that i'm watching uh at least i think i do i i like to i like to think this is a movie and uh like these kind of movies, I would say from like, you know, late 90s, if it wasn't a dad thriller like The Fugitive, we had Armageddon, Independence Day, I think was a big one, The Rock. Oh, yeah. Family to like uh, Face Off, like a, a, another Nick Cage, good action movie done well. Uh, right. The Mission Impossible right. early movies. Uh like there, it was a unique time before Spider Man. <laughs> it was a unique, like it was a unique time. Yeah, I agree. Well, you bring up Independence Day actually, which I think is a really good example because that is a lot of what this movie does at a bigger scale. It's done a year prior, right? Ninety six. Yes. Doesn't really age as well visually, I don't think. Not when the dog jumps, especially when the dog oh jumps. <laughs> like you see, it's that. It's once again, it's those flames. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's totally ridiculous. But, you know, the cadence of that movie and maybe action movies for, like, the next five or six years, yeah, at least we were getting some original ideas, I guess. You know, they weren't, like, exactly superhero movies. But I don't know. There was a fun – a funness to it. I mean, the good and the bad. I agree there's, like, that, that feel to it in Con Air. Uh, I think maybe – you know, I, part of me wants to bring up, say, like a Men in Black, which has yeah, you could count that in some way. That's a summer blockbuster that again is like a fun ride. Of course, it's a lot smarter and has a better idea of what it's doing and holds up better. But um, yeah, I just I think there were like a lot of uh, really solid options for for like '90s audiences in the summertime uh, that were just new ideas. Again, hit and miss. But you, know, you, I feel like you get a similar feel throughout all of those. I, and I think I'm just trying to be honest with my, like, honest with myself on like a on a reviewing scale. I'm allowed to like a movie even if it's, if, even if it's rotten. Like I, I could, as I, I think in my Armageddon episode, I could watch Armageddon. I don't think I would watch it by myself. I think I would watch it with friends and we're just hanging out and kind of laughing at it. But it. That doesn't take away that like it's a serious movie. It's trying to be an epic movie, but it's a completely silly cartoon in its ex- execution, which makes it entertaining for us. 
like uh, ironically. And I'm just kind of like I gave Road. I really enjoyed Roadhouse, and I and I'm gonna keep using those two movies as examples. Roadhouse, I think no, like everyone was in on the the joke that is the movie, but they made a very entertaining movie as well. So, uh, like Con Air is a B level, a B movie plot. Like the idea of like it's something that you would see in a. Uh, drive-through like the it's it's that yep. like tarantino would make it or something like that you know what i'm getting to from this movie you know it comes out in the late 90s and I, like i said it feels very produced like a lot of the other movies we mentioned in like the the mid 90s onwards and whereas like roadhouse 80s a lot of action movies at that time felt very gritty and so i'm thinking maybe this movie would have worked better if it had more of that gritty 80s feel the characters are grimier Oh yeah, Danny Trejo was like, Danny Trejo would have been grimier. Like, yeah, yeah, you just kind of make them look like, yeah, because they do look like actors basically. Like, I'm not that threatened by these bad guys in this movie, but if you kind of bring it back to say like the sort of look or feel, you know, a lower budget maybe even, I think it would be like a little more of a rowdy good time. But as is, you know, it it does feel a little more artificial. In this, in the vein that a lot of Bruckheimer movies do, and that's the thing. Like Bruckheimer has never his movies, for better for worse, have never really been in on like have known the type of movie they they've always excelled. They they've always tried to be something more than it was. Like you right. know, am I making sense? Yeah, I, like, it's, it's kind of like at times they're winking at the camera, but not really. Like it's. You know, like they they know that there's an appeal there, but maybe not quite sure what it is. You know what I mean? It's it's like there is a formula for success, but how it, it's one of those things where do they do they know what they're doing or are they just being exactly, lucky? exactly? And there are points, and this one I'm uh, is a little different just because there are times where I'm like, I'm asking myself, I'm like, they have to know, they have to know. He, Nick Cage is holding up a bunny. And or uh, like not uh, of a, a stuffed bunny rabbit and say like it, it's well John Malkovich as grimy as the film yeah John Malkovich holds that as bunny the film at gunpoint like, yeah <laughs> he holds the bunny at gunpoint don't move or I shoot the bunny You're like oh no don't shoot the rabbit I know it has sentimental value but come on I th- I think a lot of the times because and this adds to the maybe the annoyance of some of the actors maybe Malkovich, I think they were just seeing what worked that day. And I think a lot of people uh, are very, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone was so surprised and relieved that a, they had a movie at the end. They had like a, a start to finish two hour movie and it did very well. Like it, it, it's kind of like a happy accident. It's like, Oh, this movie was a mess. It is but a mess. It's, This movie, uh, even behind the scenes, though, I bet it was just like, what are we doing today? Well, we were going to do this, but we can't do that. So we have to rewrite it into this. But like that completely uh, that destroys all my character. Like, who am I this? Who am I today is what John Malkovich was saying, basically. Yeah, I totally feel that from him because I'm not even sure who his character was at the end of the day. The character that I was most disappointed by is Steve Buscemi's character because he was built up so much and he doesn't do anything. 
they have a line when they're introducing Steve Buscemi where they're like, oh, he makes the Manson family look like the Partridge family. So I was like, okay, Steve Buscemi as a deranged serial killer. This should be fun. It wasn't. He was just sitting there the whole time. He doesn't do anything. He might as well have not even been in the movie. He just has a couple of funny observations like about Leonard Skinner music and you know, being played ironically on the plane, which was more clever if they didn't point it out, frankly. But I'm like, why is Steve Buscemi in this? He kind of has, you know, he's, again, he's in Armageddon. He has fun in that movie. He's a little crazier in that. In this movie, he's just sitting there the whole time. I think that if, uh, maybe to put it in their shoes, and this is, uh, like, it's not a good defense, but I bet Garland Green, the idea of Steve Buscemi being this Hannibal Lecter, like, the how they introduce him is very Hannibal Lecter. They need the magnets. They need the eight locks, DEFCON 5. And it turns out to be like skinny Steve Buscemi, who is like, oh, he's basically Hannibal Lecter. Why are we afraid? And it seems like the, the, the idea of the movie is just like, oh, is he going to do something like, oh, he's with a girl. He's with that young girl who is even when I was watching this all these years, I never understood in this junkyard. This young girl playing. Like, I never understood that, but I guess the movie is just like, this is to show the odd humanity. Like, it, it, we, it's trying to make you forget that he killed all these people because he then goes off and wins Vegas. Right, and right. And it's supposed to be played for a joke. It's, just, it, it, it's, it's kind of a waste of his time, but you remember him. That's, you do remember him from the movie. I just remember because he's Steve Buscemi. He has the most recognizable exactly. face. Exactly. But, like, the character, like that scene you're saying, when he's in the swimming pool in this junkyard with the little girl, they're playing tea. I guess it's supposed to be tense because they build him up so much as this ruthless serial killer. And the whole time I'm thinking, where did this little girl come from that she's in the middle of this <laughs> dilapidated airport? But then at the end, you see that there's a trailer park nearby. So I guess she's from there. And then at the end, yeah, he had gotten away, I guess, and he's in Vegas. But I don't really care because am I worried for the general public? I don't know. He seemed like a pretty laid-back guy despite killing all those people. It's one of those things where, and we mentioned this in other movies, what characters say about uh, him, it's like we're supposed to be scared of him based on what other characters are saying, but not. it's not coming from what the actor is doing. It's based on... Yeah. What everyone else, it's like, you know, the showgirls thing, like, wow, she's such a great dancer. It's like, wow, he's such a, <laughs> he's such a scary serial killer. Is he? I, I wouldn't get that if he didn't say it. Uh, I just had a realization just because we're we're doing this podcast so far removed from this movie, like 25, 20 something years. And this is before any Wikipedia or any spoiler alert. like right now we always know who's going to be in the movie like it's always hard to keep it to keep things as a surprise it's a that's a rarity yeah um and it went uh my i guess my observation is was steve buscemi supposed to be like i'm curious if he was shown in the advertise the marketing of this movie Right. And like when people like got to, it's kind of like when Kevin Spacey was not in the marketing for seven, people were like, oh my God, like he's in this movie. It, right. It's kind of like 
uh, like, hey, everybody, look who we got. And I could be totally wrong, but it's like he did just do Fargo the year before. Yeah. So everyone like, you know who Steve Buscemi is. So it is kind of like a, oh, my God, they I can't believe it. But they still don't really do it. His arc is just yeah, making Steve Buscemi funny observations the girl and then get he's the guy that gets away and goes my question is does he go back to killing like See, i don't know maybe he just wants to live a normal life now I, i'm not quite sure i also the, thought the it flight was... changed him <laughs> appears the united states parole commission that oh man oh, yeah put the bunny back in the box I knew you was a punk, and I was right. You've been playing us all along. You a free man. I said, put the bunny back in the box. It was also ridiculous to me that when the plane lands in Vegas in that really insane sequence, and they're causing all that destruction, it didn't seem to me that there were really any civilian casualties, thankfully, but... Never yeah. are. No, no, right? Because I don't know. <laughs> I think those were miniatures. If I like, they looked like it, I, well, I would they had like to, to be. think they were miniatures. Yeah, they you look good. I always it, I miss those in it movies. It was convincing enough to me. And they crash that plane into the sands, and these guys crawl out from underneath the plane. No one looked under the plane when this when all these emergency services are surrounding the plane. No one checked the underneath to see if people were getting out that way because then they escape fairly easily on a fire truck and if it wasn't for i think the cameron poe character or was this one one character notices them driving off in the fire truck and then they're able to have that chase scene but if it wasn't for that one person they would have all escaped yeah i kind of miss like in the in the past like few years audiences have demanded their action movies be they still want them to be like I, I'm I think John Wick. I'm gonna take John Wick. They still want their like they want a smarter action flick, like the recent Mission Impossibles, or like they don't want think pieces, but they don't want dumb everyone's dumb. Like I always uh in Con Air when everybody is uh you know, they do the switch out, which is kind of clever. I think for a set piece like a set piece, like, okay, we gotta switch out. Oh, when they, uh, they put on the, the guard the, the prisoners put on yeah. the guards' uniforms, yeah. I actually, I think that's, I mean, what else, what could you do in this movie like called Con Air? I think that's actually pretty clever for this movie. The thing that gets me is when the cop hits the police, like the captured police guard, like thinking that he's just a rabbling prisoner and the tape cassette. And, and it's supposed to show you like, oh, it stops. They wouldn't go back. Oh, yeah. No, they just they just left. And then, of course, the one police officer that's still on scene who was told stall them, just stall them so we can get enough backup. He immediately takes out his gun <laughs> and gets killed. And then that gives them like enough warning to know, okay, we got to leave. Like every time someone tells his like, response, the one guy who can do something, what to do, they do the opposite and make the whole situation worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, and that cop's response was so weird. I never really like, it was just like, ah, oh, like, Gosh darn it. Yeah, it! Like and like not, I'm like, not panic. It was yeah. like annoyance. Like exactly. Oh boy. 
<laughs> like, I guess the prisoners took over the plane and put on the guards' uniforms. Oh, boy, what a day. <laughs> that was his response. Okay, so not like, I think the more we talk about this movie, it's just the more I'm like, I'm kind of thinking that they were not in on... I don't think so. I, I think that they had an idea, prisoners taking over a transport plane. That's like the pitch. But maybe it turned out to be more complicated than they realized. Because if you think about, say, Die Hard and then action movies in like the years following Die Hard, it was all about that scenario, right? Die Hard, guy, terrorist, building, go from there. Simple enough. Yeah. And then you like speed, which is like Die Hard on a bus, right? You're on a bus. You can't drive it below a certain mileage or just below a certain speed or else it blows up. Simple. Go from there. Con Air... It's like, okay, prisoners take over a transport, but in order for that to happen, you really have to do a lot of setup. And it really is hard to do that in a way that's convincing and not just kind of frustrating for an audience that wants smart characters in their movies. It's yeah, it's kinda of, on an on a surface level, like the elevator pitch is really good. Right. But yeah, then you have to write the essay and you're like, oh, crap, this isn't like, how do I how do I get out of this without making dumbing down my characters? And also, like, you need a character, you need a criminal to root for. So how do I make him not a criminal? And I am I am laughing at the circumstance. But now I'm like, I don't think the movie wants me to. It's kind of like a a Tommy Wiseau where I'm laughing at the movie and and he's shocked and everyone's shocked going like. Why are, this isn't supposed to be funny? Like that part's not supposed to be funny. Yeah, it's almost successful for reasons it hadn't intended. Well, now that I think about it, the, your protagonist is a guy, a convict who just had a bad break. He really shouldn't be in jail to begin with, and that's why you're able to root for eight him. Eight years. Eight years. That's insane for like defending himself. Fifteen in general, but eight years for being like a the. You know, the uh, great behavior, I'll say. Totally ridiculous. And then you also had, though, they set up the the undercover guy who basically turns out to be useless. That doesn't go anywhere. Oh, yeah. But that could have been your hero. Your hero could have been just a guy who is just undercover. And now he has to respond and try to save the day from the inside, trying to maintain his cover. That could have been it. I think trying to do this Cameron Poe character who's like a good guy but is an actual prisoner, I think it's it's too much of a stretch. And again, they kind of had to like overwrite it to the point where the reason he's in jail makes no sense. Oh, you're right. That would have been that would have been a better because the guy the only reason for the plot that that guy is on the plane is to have uh the recording device. Right, right. That's it. And a gun. And a gun. Like that's that's it. Because they pick up the the drug lord, and they want to, I guess, do something with that. It's underexplored, but they get him in there, and he immediately is killed. Because again, he's a dummy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then even when he's killed, Nick Cage looks at him like, "It's all your fault. You screwed up." It's like what? <laughs> like his it. Maybe you should shake your head at the the screenwriter instead of the character because he, I don't know, like g- give him a little more credit. Well, we've done the screenwriter before. I notice uh, Scott Rosenberg uh, with Venom. 
yes, Venom, which I think Venom surprised me because it's smarter than I thought it would be. And this... I still think it's stupid, but that, like... It's not as stupid Tom, as this. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He He's grown, and he's also done, like, the Jumanji movies, but he also did Gone with 60 Seconds, which takes itself seriously, and that is considered a bad movie. But he's done the Jumanji movies, which has... The more recent ones? Got, like, it, 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 yes. Uh, but Venom, I think, could have been... I think we, uh, you know, in our discussion on Venom... I think we do, we're we're kind of almost saying the same thing, but there's an in we're in on the joke. I think Tom Hardy especially is in on the joke, and I think I have not seen the sequel yet. I heard they go full in, knowing the kind of movie that they're making. Well, good. I mean, I think you can go crazy or go in a direction that is absurd, but in a way that everyone's in on it. You're not laughing at the movie; you're laughing with it. But you have to keep it simple. I think that's what I'm really realizing in this discussion is that this whole movie and plot was maybe too complicated for them to figure out how to do it in a way that that's interesting. Yeah, doesn't lose us. Like I, It's constantly losing me along the way that so many crazy things have to happen for the story to even take flight, pun intended. Whereas like in, <laughs> in Venom, just stick to the essence of the character, which I think he does the screenwriter and just have fun with the chaos of what we all know is the appeal of venom here again, interesting elevator pitch, but I think they really needed to simplify this as much as they could in order to get to the premise that they wanted. If you talk to my wife again, you tell her I love her. He's my hummingbird. But I couldn't leave a fallen man behind. He'll do that for me, won't you, Larkin? Sure I will. What are you going to do for me? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking day. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, you know, I... I'm not coming to a revelation about this movie. I'm just kind of... I think I'm just... I think we've had a, a good, honest, open discussion. It's so interesting hearing it, hearing it from someone who's never seen it before, and I've probably seen it a, a handful of times. And I... Whatever score I give it, I am going to say this is a really fun, watchable movie. I... is Now, the question is, like, do I side with the critics or the audience? It's kind of a mixture of both, but I will be honest with my score, whatever. Yeah, I think we could get to that because I'm probably going to fall somewhere in the middle because it is watchable. And if I put myself in the shoes of a 90s film goer, like an adult film goer in 1997, I go with like my friends to see this action movie looking for a good time. I think I get what I want. I'm sure this was fun to see in the theater, especially with all the big practical effects of the explosions and the action set pieces. I'm sure all of that was fun and people maybe got what they paid for at the end of the day. So, you know, it delivers probably what it pitched in its trailer, but could it have done more than that? Probably. And it could have done it better. So let's, let's, 
let's see. I mean, I, I, do you know what your score? Because I think I'm honing it on mine. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I'm honing. Um, so you're circling around it. I, I'll maybe I'll kick it off. I think I'm going to give. Let me remind myself actually of the scores. Hmm. I have to give this. A fifty-eight percent. I think it has to be. It has to be a rotten score for me. Okay. I. You know what? If we, if you were to ask anybody, like, what is their top ten, like, like legit favorite action movies, and even like, let's do like favorite action movies of the nineties. I'm very curious if this would make people's lists. Now, if I were to say, what are your favorite ridiculous action movies in the 90s? This is like in a lot of ways, this is like a 90 percent in like in terms of ridiculous. You're going to have a good time. Like like if you don't think if you don't think it's one of those if you don't think about it, it's stupid. It's fun. Enjoy the Alabama accent. Enjoy the bunny. Enjoy enjoy the, the roller coaster that this movie I'm going to give it though. I'm going to give it a 63. Okay, so just because just fresh I think for you, I think it's, I I think it, uh, it's freshable enough. Like it, like it, it does reek of like venom and hocus pocus. Where I, I'm not necessarily. I don't even know. Like I would. If this movie were on, I might not search out this movie like I used to in the day. But like, if this movie was on, I'm gonna have a blast by myself. Like, it, it's a fun movie to watch, but it's a fun movie to watch with f- uh, friends, family uh, over the holiday. So yeah, 63. I think. You know, I like what you said though about if you were to think about all the 90s action movies, especially the really ridiculous ones, because you're right. I think if you were to do say like a movie marathon say like you know we're roommates again we're doing like a weekend of 90s action movies this would be included this would be in there yes and you'd have a fun time watching it so there is value there i just think that yeah, you have one kind of experience watching it in the theater it is thrilling and then afterwards you watch it from home and it turns into a totally different experience and we want to be honest we want to be honest like this podcast has taught us to be to be as honest as watching these movies as possible. And I don't want to be like, you know, well, he's my old friend. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I want to like, this movie is messy. This movie was a mess in front, in front on camera and behind the scenes. Like it, it like as ridiculous, as fun as it is, you kind of have to look at it in two lenses, but I'm, I'll let you. I, we have a score here, and it's very interesting. And uh, since you're the judge, okay, with our scores combined, it comes out to sixty point five. Sixty point five. So that is that is a fresh, but it is closer to the critics. It is, but I can play know both sound like... effects. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know what it is? I feel like we've been siding with the critics too much lately, and I wanna acknowledge the audience i want to see the audience i see you audience and how you do support this movie you like it it's for maybe a lot of people a big part of their home collection oh yeah i i would understand that and i do think i would go back to this eventually 
And I could have honestly, if I don't know why it wasn't part of my family's collection, if Armageddon was, it could have easily have been, and I could have been the same boat as you. So I will say, for Con Air, we will be siding with the audience. We get to keep our movie passes, <laughs> our movie, <laughs> our movie cards. <laughs> you know, we're going to, uh, we're not going to be run out of town here by fans of this movie. You know, it's there's I a lot it. of fans I, looking at the fan. Uh, audience response there are people that love this movie and I, I i totally see why like i mean at the same time if if a defense of this movie in terms of its ridiculousness ridiculousness its nonsensical plot it's like what do you expect what do you expect about a movie called con air and uh, a mullet sporting get cage of course it has to make no sense <laughs> so fair enough it's in the lexicon of our lives like it like whenever you think of nick cage you're like Con Air is one of those performances that you think of. Yeah. You know, I think that that image of him, especially like the image of him on the poster is something that uh, I was already very familiar with. The meme of him smiling is like, you know, the wind is blowing in his mullet hair. Like, Oh, that yeah, that's a great image of him (laughs) for sure. Maybe he had more fun than everyone else, it seemed. Not quite sure. But uh, yeah, this was a fun discussion. And maybe I should rewatch it sometimes. It could grow on me. Who knows? But yeah, Con Air, we were siding with the audience. So uh, that was a fun one, Keith. Yeah, we'll I love it. see where we go next. If we stick with the 90s or if we maybe jump around a bit, we shall see. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in, as always. And look out for more Divided Film soon.